Good morning, it is 9 a.m. on Thursday, April 2nd, and this is Community Pulse, KOPN's grassroots report on the coronavirus situation in mid-Missouri. I want to start off today with a heartfelt thank you to all of our listeners and supporters who've been reaching out to KOPN during these difficult times, and a special thank you to everyone who is reaching out with their comments or questions, which are an important part of this program. We want to hear you. Uh, We want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback and your questions. So if you have a question, you can call us at 573-874-1139, or you can email that question to gm at kopn.org. It's an important part of this program, and uh, if appropriate, we will share your questions and comments on future broadcasts. On today's edition of Community Pulse, we'll be discussing stay-at-home orders, how they do or do not work, and the potential holes that could make them ineffective. Joining me to discuss this and more is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician, and guest Jenny Chadwick, community advocate and public health professional. Good morning, Elizabeth and Jenny. Good morning, Tim. Thanks again for uh, welcoming us into the airwaves. Of course. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much, um, Tim and Elizabeth, um, Dr. Alleman, for having me on the show today. Um, I think I'll kick it off by starting to to share with um, the listeners and you guys where I am turning to get my numbers. Um, So starting with John Hopkins, looking at the global numbers, we right now have 956,000 identified cases of um, coronavirus or COVID-19, and globally we are looking at um, hitting 50,000 deaths. Um, We do have over 200,000 who have recovered from the virus now um, globally. When we look specifically at the U.S., um, the place I always turn is the New York Times has a a pretty good up-to-date map. Um, We're at 214 thousand cases in the U.S. and and approaching 5,000 deaths within the U.S. Um, Just yesterday, the New York Times added a really interesting feature on their map and where you can look to see where the cases are rising and how quickly they're doubling. And so when you go and look at Missouri and Boone County right now, we have um, 66 identified cases and that, that case number is doubling every four days. Um, if we look across the state of Missouri at where it's doubling the quickest or um, where we, we are seeing um, a worrisome trend, um, Lafayette County and, and um, towards the Kansas City area, they're doubling every two days right now. Um, we also see that just south of St. Louis and Jefferson County doubling every three days. So if you haven't had an opportunity to take a peek at their new features on that New York Times map, I think that it's it's a really interesting one to look at. So the Missouri Department of Health and Human Senior Services uh, identified in the state of Missouri as of 2 p.m. yesterday, we had 1,581 cases and 18 deaths. Um, and then the Boone County um, Como um, gov coronavirus they've identified 66 cases in boone county and and i think that we're all looking at um, that case number and in, in with interest and in, and a little bit of hope that um, that case number didn't rise from yesterday to today um, with 41 active and 24 recovered cases and one death which happened very early on in the the COVID identified cases in boone county and when we break that out by age group um, you know, we're we're still seeing that 25 to 44 year old age demographic having the most cases with 26 cases, um, and that we know that community transmission is happening in our community with 21 identified cases of those 66 
as community transmission. Um, one place that I have found very interesting to go to, there's a, a um, guy named Matthew Holloway, H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y, on Facebook. And he's actually in Neosho, Missouri, but every night at around 11 p.m., he posts this beautiful graphic of the total number of positive cases that have been identified based on the CDC and the um, Department of Health and Human Services, the total number of deaths each new county. So yesterday, Missouri reported two new counties had identified a COVID-19 test, one in the very southern part and one in um, the, the region close by Boone County. So um, it, we have 66% of our counties in the state of Missouri having identified at least one case of COVID-19. Elizabeth, do you want to add anything else about the numbers and what we're seeing? Yeah, and I, I will say that my personal experience is that um, the excitement over testing seems to have um, waned, that initially I was getting, you know, 20, upwards of 20 calls a day um, just in my office, and yesterday I only tested two people or ordered tests for two people. So um, I don't know what to think about that. Um, I'm hoping that the social distancing that we have been able to accomplish in Boone County has um, diminished the spread of the other respiratory illness that is um, looking a lot like COVID and was um, making people really believe they had COVID but was testing negative. Now, our test is not 100%. It's got a sensitivity we think of around 70% is the best I can find, which means that if you test 100 people who actually have the virus, 30 of them will get an answer that says that they don't have it. So um, it's, it's better than nothing. I'm glad to have a test. We need to use what we have, but we um, it, you know, given that we're doing such limited testing, that the testing seems to be tapering off, that the test is not perfect, makes me, um, yeah, I love that the numbers stayed the same in Boone County for two days, but I don't know what that really means. Right. With a 30% margin of error, that's that's quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, yeah. you touched on the idea that stay-at-home orders might be working, and the Washington Post yeah. had a beautiful article today about the fact that, you know, Washington State and California were one of the first states to put a stay-at-home order in place, and they are seeing, um, you know, it's an early trend. We don't want to claim anything yet, but based on the, um, you know, the 18, uh, the 19, uh, sorry, 1918 um, Spanish flu, we saw that stay-at-home orders worked there, right? The the last real big global pandemic, and that we're seeing those same um, hopeful numbers in California and Washington from their early stay-at-home numbers. Um, you know, there the article really addressed some interesting components, thinking about public transit. You know, on the West Coast, people often take their own vehicles, where we don't see that um, as much on the East Coast, where we've got good public transit systems. So there might be other factors at play, but those early stay-at-home orders matter. And when we look across the country now, over 30 states have put a stay-at-home order in place statewide. There's only five states who have nothing right now. North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, and Arkansas are the only five states in the nation that have nothing at a local or statewide level. But we're one of those six states that only have um, something at a a local level. So we're we're falling in with Oklahoma, Utah, Wyoming, um, Alabama, South Carolina, and Missouri. Missouri is a state that still does not have a statewide stay-at-home order. Yeah, and the New York Times also published a really interesting article 
looking at anonymous aggregate cell phone data um, mm-hmm. to see like what was the average um, distance that cell phones were traveling. So th- these are not people tracking, there's not tracking individual cell phones, although I bet somebody can do that. But this is publishing like what does the state, like how, what is the average distance traveled by the cell phones in the state? And um, they map that out. Uh, with uh, and and then overlaid the places that have stay-at-home orders, and the result is pretty striking, and it's it causes me great concern for the people who live in the places who don't have stay-at-home orders. I think they're um, they're at extreme risk because um, well, I know that sometimes we think that this should be individual choices, and of course, even with stay-at-home orders, we do have individual choice that you know plays comes into play. That the clear guidance from our leaders helps people voluntarily change their behavior in meaningful ways. And when we have stay-at-home orders, then people um, can use that to as a um, negotiating uh, with their uh, employers. It helps businesses make the decisions to go ahead and close. It has um, economic consequences for their businesses, so it's easier to get debt relief and uh, uh, rent forbearance if you are closed because of an order rather than you just chose to close. So it really does help our economic system and helps our small businesses if our leaders would be very clear about what it is that we're asking people to do and which sacrifices we're asking people to do. And that down the road leads to less case spread and less rapid case spread, which leads to fewer of our elders and and our vulnerable people ending up in the hospital. And it means that fewer of our hospital personnel will have to do these horrific things that we're hearing about in New York City about um, making decisions about who gets intensive care unit care um, and who gets on a ventilator. Um, So these things, um, it it these stay-at-home orders um, seem to be having a dramatic effect on the movement of cell phones, which I think is a way of measuring people's behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so tell us. Uh, I know there are um, items excluded from these stay-at-home orders, and we've discussed this on, on past episodes. Yeah. Um, can you can you go through a, a brief list of that and uh, maybe discuss the intricacies of of what isn't included in this stay-at-home orders and how that could affect its effectiveness. Yeah, Jenny, I'm going to let you talk about that. And let's stay local. Let's stay focused on the Boone County stay-at-home order. Sure. And, you know, specifically, there's 36 counties in the state of Missouri that have stay-at-home orders, and they vary greatly. But when we think about what Boone County and Columbia stay-at-home order includes and what it doesn't include, based on what we see across the country, um, you know, the Department of Homeland Security has listed that liquor stores should be um, included in essential businesses. And when we think about the policy implications of that, many states um, have bans on having grocery stores have have liquor in them. But our um, local community, we allow liquor in grocery stores. And so the idea that liquor stores are essential might not be really the case in Boone County. And if we turn to the Department of Homeland Security's recommendations, then that, that might not necessarily be necessary in Boone County. So right now, we allow liquor stores to be a part of it. Um, there's, a, there's a certain carve-out for um, golf courses. And in the way that it's written, it's says that, you know, there should be one person to a cart and um, 
you should have your own equipment. But unfortunately, we know that that's actually not what's happening in Boone County based on reports of the Ashland Golf Course. Right. So to take us back just a minute, Jenny, um, and explain to um, the listener who might be appalled at uh, liquor being liquor sales being considered essential and why yeah. that is. You know, I mean, we do want to be very thoughtful about the fact that we don't want to um, totally ban the sale of liquor or the sale of tobacco products right now during a time where we have people who are addicted and we wouldn't want them to end up in the hospital from withdrawal. But we also want to limit the access and exposure of employees at stores. Um, and, and knowing that they have access to them. So um, I know that the um, yesterday the alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs sections of the American Public Health Association leadership met, and they discussed, you know, if you were going to leave liquor stores open, then the recommendation would be to really limit the hours so that there would just be a certain time that individuals could go in and that we're not continuously exposing a lot of people to um, the potential of the virus. Right, and that all, you know, of course, has a consequence of that those stores might be more crowded during those hours, um, but uh, it does allow people who have a, a, a dependence on alcohol to continue to uh, have access to it because um, alcohol withdrawal can cause life-threatening consequences if it's done suddenly. And um, we really, and so some of those people would need to uh, detox in a hospital, and we just don't want inpatient detox being something that's happening right now if we can prevent it. So, yeah, um, uh, it, I think that golfing, um, you know, you think, well, that's an outdoor activity. Why wouldn't that be okay? But I think that um, renting golf carts to, uh, to individuals is probably a bad idea in a time where we're banning children from uh, climbing on uh, playground equipment because it, um, you know, one hand after another touches it, that um, golf carts are also used by one person and then used by another and then used by another. And they don't sit in the sun with the beautiful um, the disinfecting um, quality of the, of, of the ultraviolet light the way playground equipment does. So it just seems to me if we're going to limit access of children to playground equipment. We should also limit access of adults to their playground equipment. It's a different thing if you take your own clubs to the golf golf course and you play by yourself because even outdoors, standing six feet away from each other, there is a possibility of transmission. And in the time when we are closing our schools and our children are not in schools where they um, – uh, can get uh, dependable food and get their educations, and where um, small businesses are really facing hard times. For us to um, carve out a recreational um, uh, activity, especially for the uh, powerful and wealthy, seems um, it, it certainly has a bad um, appearance for sure. But talk, let's see, I also want to say something about our smoke shops and our vaping shops. Um, why those are considered uh, essential is beyond me. Uh, the withdrawal from tobacco is not life-threatening. It is a totally safe thing for a person to do at any time. Um, and these, um, again, it's a place where um, we also know that smoking and vaping uh, is, a, um, is associated with really uh, much poorer outcomes for people who ha get the COVID-19 infection. And so this would be a time when our leadership should be 
showing people that really what we want is that this is a beautiful time to quit. And Jenny, I think there's also increased access to to uh, tobacco cessation support in these times, right? You know, a lot of our national organizations, American Heart or Cancer Society, American Lung Association, they have definitely stepped up their online um, support. Same with um, the Truth Initiative. So, become an X um, or This Is Quitting online um, is is now available for people to use. Um, the state has the one eight hundred Quit Now line that they're still providing um, cessation services to. Um, you know, I was picking up my online order yesterday and I noticed the vape shop across from Target was still open and that definitely surprised me. I would, you know, the tobacco shop, um, I figured those would be one of the first to be closed in our stay at home order. And it was, um, shocking to see that it was not. Yeah. I also have, um, uh, acquaintances and friends either online or in real life who work in, uh, um, Various places, pet stores and hardware stores, and um, I, I don't. I understand that if you have a pet, you need to feed them, and there are some essential um, uh, supplies that are that you might need in a hurry that you can't really order online, and not everybody can order online. I understand there's some privilege in these social distancing things, but um, they're still selling pets, and they are still um, helping people set up new aquariums. And uh, people are coming into the store and touching all the things. And I think that uh, to protect our workers, we really need to have these stores uh, reduce their hours and go to uh, curbside and uh, delivery only and uh, only for essential services. So, you know, these these um, and I think the same thing with hardware stores. I am seeing online people talking about going to various um in one day, they might go to five or six stores to look for a product. Many people are really concerned about getting uh, disinfectants, uh, brand name disinfectants of certain kinds. And just remember that the Centers for Disease Control recommends soap and water first, um, alcohol as a second choice, and bleach as a third choice, and other commercial products um, that are advertised as being, you know, antibacterial or germ killing are not on the CDC's list at all. So um, soap and water is your friend, and any soap that will um, remove oils or greases are, is, is great. So dish soap, shampoo, hand soap, um, all of those things are, are useful, and they are the best thing for you to use, especially if for you to get your brand name disinfectant, you need to go to five or six stores to find them um, because that is, you're now exposing yourself to everybody else's breath in all of those stores. Um, and then I also hear people talking about how their outdoor gatherings, whether it's people gathering at a park or um, ice cream, uh, um, what do you call those, ice cream vans, trucks, ice oh, cream the trucks ice cream are... Trucks. Yes. The ice cream trucks are traveling through um, neighborhoods where children are playing outdoors. And what happens is the children um, may have, they don't really want to be away from their friends. And now there's an ice cream truck. And of course, the children are gathering outside of the ice cream truck. And the ice cream truck is considered exempt because it's food. And I don't know that any of us would consider ice cream to be essential. I mean, many of us don't want to go without it. But given that sugar is a immune suppressant, um, as is alcohol, um, exempting uh, places that sell exclusively sugar-sweetened uh, desserts 
uh, doesn't make sense to me, and especially ones that encourage uh, children who have low impulse control to gather out even outside uh, seems uh, really irresponsible to me. So, um, And I think this is where we think about the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law, Elizabeth. Right. And that, you know, an ice cream truck might follow the letter of the law, but I don't think that anybody in our community would think it's follow the spirit of the law. I, I think one of the things that I've heard recently, which is a, a, a miss thought is that it has to be curbside pickup. And I just want to clarify that our actual stay-at-home order says that carry-out service is allowed. So people could walk into the restaurant and pick up their carry-out service. I've, I've heard a couple of people say, well, I know in my restaurant, my coffee shop, my sandwich shop, people are still coming in to get their food. And based on um, the way that the stay-at-home order in Boone County has written, drive-up service um, or carry out service as long as the person is um, uh, is appropriately following the social distancing rule is still allowed. Yeah, and I can understand why in some places those things are allowed in places where there's high population density, where a particular restaurant would have a really high volume. But I would think that in Boone County that our um, that we have a, a dispersed enough population that we could, with some ingenuity, come up with a way that people do not need to go into a building to get the products and the food that they need. And that mm-hmm. is the thing that I'm begging people to do. It's the drum that I'm breathing right now. If that is the only building you should be going into is the one that you live in, with the possible exception of if you're the only person who worked in your office that you can go there to. But but that we should not be going into grocery stores, into um, stores, into pet stores. We, if, um, if the if the business doesn't offer curbside pickup, call them and ask them to develop that. This is we we live in capitalism. If there's a demand, then a a, a business will meet it, especially in these times where people businesses are really hurting. So let's ask our businesses to do um, do what's right. And I think that right now the prediction for Missouri is that the coronavirus will peak around the early to mid-May. And so, I, you know, I keep telling people, let's think about the long game here because um, that's what we're in it for. If we want to flatten that curve, that means that we're going we're gonna to delay the, the people getting exposed to this virus so we don't overwhelm the hospital system all at once. And so the things that we are doing are working. You can see that based on that, that article that Elizabeth um, Dr. Allman referenced in the New York Times, we're looking at the cell phone data. If you overlay that with the counties in the state of Missouri that have stay-at-home orders, it's amazing to see the, the difference in the counties that do and the counties that don't. But, you know, we're going to have to keep doing this for a while. And I, I think that there's some, some starting to be some recognition. We all received the Columbia Public Schools email yesterday that said, you know, when we first initially thought about the stay-at-home order, it, you know, it was until after spring break. And now we're looking at how do we adjust and make sure that we're um, providing services that are needed, but the recognition that we're all going through a true global pandemic. Um, and, and that's going to take a different time, resource, and education method than what we are typically used to doing. Right. Yeah. Yep. These are unprecedented times, and, and I know day by day we may see some of these uh, orders walked back. Um, I know a lot of people have been contacting the governor of Missouri, mm-hmm. Governor Parson, and sharing their opinion about uh, a stay-at-home order. Um, right. I think, you know, at the end of the day... He's the one who makes that decision, 
and uh, that's a good way to express yourself is to share your opinion with the governor. Yes. Again, yes. we are one of 10 states in the nation that does not have a stay-at-home order in place right now. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, uh, we are speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and guest, Ginny Chadwick, community advocate and public health professional. Ginny and Elizabeth, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with today? Uh, I want to say that tomorrow I'll be talking about rural health issues with, um, tell me the name of, the, of your student, Ginny, who's going to be generously going to be on tomorrow. Yes, Eli Boner. He is a Southeast Missouri um, State uh, student in political science. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about what what's the the view from the from rural Missouri, um, and let's see. Final thought: I think we can do this if we all get together. We just need to do it. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much to the both of you, and have hey, a, have a pleasant day and be well. Thank you to everyone for listening. This has been today's edition of Community Pulse, your local report and update on the coronavirus situation here in Mid-Missouri. You can catch it every morning at 9 a.m. only on KOPN Live, of course. But if you'd like to catch it later on, we're posting it on our Facebook page, and you can find a link to all of the recorded episodes at kopn.org. Org. One final time, if you have a message or a question for Dr. Alleman regarding the coronavirus situation that you would like to share, you can call us at 573-874-1139 and leave a message. Or you can comment on our Facebook page, or you can send me an email at gm at kopn.org. We want to hear from you. We want our community involvement. That's what makes this so special. And uh, if appropriate, we may share your questions, thoughts, and concerns in future broadcasts. Once again, the number to leave a message is 573-874-1139. Thank you so much for joining us today on Community Pulse. We'll be back tomorrow and every weekday at 9 a.m. Coming up next is an abridged version of Background Briefing.